0: This is Younger Older, a dialogue between generations. Welcome to Younger and Older with Jason and Dave. Only Jason's not here. He is somewhere right now working on the grounds of Silver Birch Ranch, and this program is brought to you From Relate365.com in White Lake, Wisconsin, a division of Silver Birch Ranch and the Nicolay Bible Institute. Taking uh, Jason's spot today is going to be Nate. And Nate is a a man that works here at Silver Birch Ranch. He's our um, chief mechanic. What is your title, actually? I believe it's transportation director. That's right, transportation director, because we transport, like, everybody everywhere and even on our grounds as we do things so he makes sure that all the things that are moving stay moving and uh nate not too long ago you came to me and told me uh, that you were diagnosed with cancer correct and now we as a, a family here at silver birch ranch and your family we're going through this uh together and what what i thought we would do is take some younger older time to talk about um your journey and what you're thinking and how God is meeting your needs and things you're afraid about, things you're not. I mean, just in general, what are you thinking to try and encourage people who also are going to find themselves in the same position? First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, your age, your marital status, your children, I mean, that kind of stuff. Tell us who you are a little bit so we can understand uh, the background.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, As I'm uh, Nate Brash, uh, 36 years old.
1: Uh, I've got three kids. I've been married for eight years. Hopefully my wife doesn't hear the hesitation on that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's okay. I got to do math too. (laughs) Do you know, I got married in 1980 and my simple advice to young people when they get married is get married on a a, a zero year. So you can remember how many years you were married. (laughs) So go ahead. That's how bad I get. Uh, I've got
1: three kids. Uh, The oldest is six years old. He's Noah. Uh, The next one is Anna. She's three years old. And then the youngest is Ellie. She's two years old. Okay. Uh, we've lived in White Lake for uh, just over four years. Uh, I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin in the Racine area, if people are familiar with that. Uh, my wife grew up in western state New York, so the pretty part of New York. Uh, where There is a
0: pretty part of New York? It, there is. All right. All the New York <laughs> people just turned it off. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
1: and uh, both my wife and I, we met at a, it's a Christian home for mental disabled people in Union Grove, Wisconsin, uh, if there's anybody that listens that's familiar with drag racing, there's a really nice drag strip in Union Grove called Great Lakes Dragway. Yep, um, but it's uh, we both met there, we worked there, and uh, that's where we met, got married, and uh, God called us up here uh, four years ago. So okay,
0: and your background is really auto mechanics.
1: Yeah, and... auto mechanic uh, managed several shops from uh, Sears Auto Centers uh, to CarX to Mineral Muffler and Brake. Right. I've worked on. Everything from school buses, cars, trucks.
0: Okay. You know. So you came up, you came up north here. We, we invited you to come up and join our team, and, and you've been doing a great job as um, taking care of all the vehicles and boats and all the stuff that a place this size needs. Uh, do you, did you ever count how many vehicles are here that things that move that you have to watch over?
1: Never did an official count. It, but if it moves I to too g- much. You got to uh, do it while it moves. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to guess, we've got probably. 40 pieces of equipment that move. That's including tractors, bus, cars,
0: boats. Yeah, you start throwing yeah. golf carts in there and a bunch of volunteer young people that drive them and things can get pretty messy at some Oh, sometimes. yeah, young yeah. people, trees, yeah. gravel roads. Yes. Yeah, that, that that kind of stuff happens. Now, as you came up, you, you know, your burden was to really work and make um, the vehicle part, the movement, things that move like that and help us, whether it be ski boats or cars, um, Operate efficiently and safely so that we can operate the ministry of Silverberg Trans. And I encourage listeners, go to org. You want to see what we're doing, go there and take a look. But then, as you've been here, let's describe um, what happened in the last year that brought you to the point where you had to go to the doctor and get diagnosed with cancer. Uh, my big question is, it took you a while to get in there, to, yeah. to see the doctor for the cancer diagnosis. Yes. Uh- I, I want to know the journey here and why... <laughs> I want to know, first of all, I would never expect somebody your age to have cancer. So could you tell us what the cancer is and back the bus up and kind of give us a history of how this happened? Uh, the
1: actual type of cancer is goblet cell carcinoid. Okay. Um, I have a tumor between my large and small intestine that's causing a minor blockage, and then it's spread through my lymph nodes, and then I've got several tumors in my liver. Okay. Uh kind of backing it up to where we got to that diagnosis, uh, probably middle through the end of, I believe, July, uh, I would have, uh, so occasionally some severe abdominal pain, uh, that would just kind of radiate, uh, just below the rib cage. And yeah, sometimes I would vomit, I'd be better.
0: Okay. And we're in, we're in January now, just so people can get a time frame for that. Um, so it's, uh, you're looking about five, six months, you
1: know, time frame here. So it's, uh, we're looking probably about a four and a half, five month journey to the actual diagnosis.
0: So Uh, it took you four and a half, five months before you actually found out you had cancer Yep. and your stomach's bothering you. And what do you think it is? It's when I first went in
1: the, uh, the doctor thought that it was, you know, probably ulcers. Okay. uh that was in july so i went to the er because it was i was threw up probably four times my wife like was told me if you throw up another time we're going to the er there well, you go good guess idea. that's what i threw up again and up ah, we're going to the er so uh the doctor you know looked at me uh, kind of palpated my belly just kind of where it was hurting uh he kind of figured it was probably ulcers uh okay. prescribed me some medication for you know ulcers and he said, you know, we could do a CT scan. If we do it today, it's probably going to be, you know, three and a half, four hours before we can get you in for it. Um, we decided not to get the CT scan uh, just because doctor's like, it's one of the things we can do just to rule out right. whatever. And at the time, you know, my wife and I, we had a babysitter at the house, and we just figured oh, we'll get home. I started to feel a lot better. I kind of changed my diet a little bit, and all was fine for, you know, a while. And then, uh, towards probably just as fall was starting, started to get some of the same symptoms coming back. And I kind of thought, well, I wonder if it's diet related, uh, because it would kind of coincide with me, you know, having dairy. Right. So I, you know, started cutting some stuff out. I'd get a little bit of improvement, but it was never anything that lasted. Yeah. And then, I wound up going back to the ER, uh, towards you know, late fall, uh, just before winter. And uh, you know, I was treated for, it went in because I hadn't had a bowel movement in about three and a half days, which you know, sure. ask my wife, that's very unregular for yeah. me. Yeah, And uh, so they treated me for constipation. The When they palpated my belly, it was you know very fitting for that. Uh, they palpated right where the tumor was, which I had a little pain there. And then also the uh, top part of my abdomen, which I guess the doctor said, that's very accurate for uh, you know constipation. Right. Uh, my blood work, you know, would always come back fine. With the only thing that would ever show up odd was uh, the liver enzymes were always slightly elevated, but nothing that ever concerned anybody. Right. And my liver enzymes have always been elevated. Okay. Uh, for probably the last seven years. Okay. Um. So after I was treated for constipation. I finally got stuff moving. Well, about three, four days later, had the same symptoms come back. And uh, so I went back to the ER because I'm like, well, I've got the same symptoms going here. It's probably not constipation because I've got more fiber going through me than I know what to do with. Right. So that's when they decided to do a CT scan Uh, after they got the CT scan done. Uh, The doctor came in the room and says, well, you've got some stuff looking very concerning for cancer. Uh, That wasn't the official, you know, diagnosis. Um, A few days later after that, it was on a Sunday when I was in the ER. And that following week on Tuesday is when I talked to a surgeon and he's like, we don't officially know it's cancer, but I'm 100% certain it's cancer just because of how it's spread. Right. So, uh, yeah, the diagnosis, kind of the... Unofficial diagnosis came. Um, uh, it would be the, I
0: believe, the first week of December. Wow. So you, you being a typical male, it, it went away. So you felt like everything's good. No, of course. Yeah. And I might uh, say, at my age, um, I have learned that I need to listen to my wife a little bit more when she tells me I need to go to the doctor, because I'm always thinking, well, we'll wait till tomorrow and see how I feel. And uh, you put some. Something's off and you could be in trouble. Um, but here in this case, I don't think anybody at your age is thinking the cancer that you have. Is the cancer that you have, is it, is it a normal, uh, boy, nothing is normal about any cancer, I imagine. <laughs> but is it a common cancer? Uh, according to the doctor, it's
1: not very common. Uh, it's a they say it's goblet cell carcinoid, uh, which I believe it's a net cancer, which is a neuroendocrine tumor is what it is, and uh, according to the, um, the doctor, he said it's they see about one every five years is what he sees, okay. so it's not common. The treatment for it is very
0: similar to colon cancer. Okay, and it, but, but it's not considered colon cancer? No. Well, now when you first found this out, let, let's take you back to the moment where um, it was more, you didn't know, but the doctor said they think it's cancer. All right. Or it could be cancer. Take me back to, um, you and your wife, as you talked about it, what was, what was going through your head at that moment? Well, at the time I was in the ER, it was just me there. Cause it's, I figured I'll just
1: go back to the ER and, okay, you know, figure out what it is. Uh, we didn't really want to find a babysitter. So, yeah, you know, I had to call my wife after I got that to let her know, you know, what it was, you know, when I initially got it, it's, yeah you're shocked because it I'm 36 years old one of those things you don't really want to hear right but yeah I didn't break down or anything it's kind of one of those it it took a little bit to you know to sink in yeah uh Jenna uh Jenna's my wife um you know and I called her yeah she she broke down and you know started crying what you know what wife wants to hear that their you know husband has cancer exactly yeah. Um, so it's, you know, another staff member from camp, you know, immediately went, watched the kids. And then, you know, Jenna drove into town and, uh, we met, got some coffee and, you know, just kind of talked and, uh, just kind of worked through the initial shock. And,
0: you know, it's, uh, it was you know. more of just trying to ease Jenna's heart. Yeah. And that's kind of hard cause you don't know what you're talking about no. at this point. And, you know, here's, what's interesting. you're, you're put in a situation where there's a tremendous amount of unknown mhm but there's enough known to say uh oh we got to work on something but you're not sure what it is yet mhm you know i i would suggest that everybody that's listening is in that position whether they want to acknowledge it or not you don't know what tomorrow brings nope and and yet that is why it is so important as i've talked to you one of the things that I appreciate is the fact that not only do you know God, but you're, you're looking at God right now as the only stable force in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's not going to be your health. It's not going to be your house. It's not going to be your job here. It's not, it's not going to be all the other stuff in life that you you have, that's going to be stable. It's only going to be your relationship with God. Uh, we've got to take a break here in a little bit, but I want our listeners to think, in your, your, own, your own life, if you're listening to this, in your own life right now, if all of the things in life that you live for are taken away in a moment, or you're told that they're going to be taken away, do you still have hope? Because if you don't, you need to be able to talk to somebody like Nate or somebody else that does, so that you can understand why it is that they're not falling apart in the middle. Of bad news and crises in their life that are happening. Rather, it's actually drawing them closer to each other and closer to God in the process. In a very strange way, there's some good happening through the whole process. And uh, we're going to talk about that in the second half. This is Younger Older brought to you by Relate365.com. Welcome back to Younger Older with Jason and Dave. Only Jason is not here. Today, it's Nate and Dave. And Nate is still the younger guy. He's 36 years old, and I'm 62. So he's still the younger guy. That's, that's how that works. And uh, we're having a discussion because um, this month in particular, I have gotten some really interesting news, not only from Nate, but we have a cousin who was um, my age who got diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer, and they found it actually in the back of her eye. That was the telltale, telltale sign for the other cancer. And it was, so now they're treating, I have no idea how that works, <laughs> but it was an eye doctor or somebody that figured it out that there was cancer elsewhere because of what was happening with the eye and it ended up being lung cancer, but it's already spread and, and um, that kind of thing. I also had a nephew this month within the last month who is uh, 30, I don't know, five, your age, mm-hmm. um, have a heart attack. And this this man, this young man, is in tremendous shape. Um, works out all the time. A former football player, and, and it, one night went to bed, and and he had an electrical problem. And his heart stopped, and um, he's he's working through it. Just the other day, he went back to work for the first time, and it's amazing that he's even alive. And I and I sat there, and with my brother, who is obviously his father-in-law, and my niece, who's her, his husband, her, his wife. And, you know, you hear the questions like, what am I going to do if he doesn't make it? I mean, those are valid questions yep. that somebody is going to ask when, when things seem to go wrong. Um, I'd like to just put things in perspective if I can, Nate. You correct me if you think I'm wrong here. But everybody that lives in this life, the Bible tells us that our lives are like a vapor. Everybody's life is like a vapor. 100 years from now, nobody we see right now will be here. At least we hope nobody. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> the, the, you shouldn't be living that long if you're listening right now. But nobody will be on earth. Mm-hmm. So we're actually all going to be dead a whole lot longer than we're alive, all of us. To not think about that is foolishness. Mm-hmm. You are forced to think about that right now. And I know you know some that are listening are going, I cannot believe you're going there with somebody, that you're telling them that they may not live. No, I am telling you who are listening that you may not live. It's an absolute truth for everybody. Absolutely. Now, we just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I want to share just a, an idea with you. and might help you, it might not. But I have so often been thankful to God that I don't have his job. Now, that sounds really stupid, I know. But... <laughs> You know, since everybody in this world is going to die somehow, everyone, he has to choose how and when. That's the part I don't want. I, I can't imagine that. But in the process of it, here's God's genius. In the process of it, if we're his children, he will guide us, he will protect us, he will give us the strength to go through it, it will be an extraordinary strength that nobody else can understand. It'll be beyond understanding of most people because God is giving it to you. And and I would encourage our listeners. My, when my nephew had a heart attack, um, I went down to spend time with my brother and, his, and my nephew's family. And um, my brother's a pastor. And it was a Friday I got the call. And I told him, well, if you need me to speak Sunday, I will. I don't know what I was thinking, but... I knew he was in no shape to do that and I did and I spoke uh, uh, at his church on Sunday and I, I actually spoke on the value of suffering the value of it not the not like push it away but the value what we can learn from it and I would encourage our listeners go to uh, relate com and go under miscellaneous messages and it's posted there and you can go listen to it but but Nate as you talk to your your wife about um, this event that's going on right now and you and I have talked you know that my wish is that God heals you and that we learn a lot through it and we're all better for it at the end but you also know and you've talked to me that he may not Mm -hmm. and either way you and and, and Jenna have talked about this yep so tell me bring me into your heads what what are the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts and the talk I mean what is going on with the two of you right now Uh, kind of backing it up a little bit Shortly before uh,
1: I, we got this diagnosis. Uh, I just got a you know life insurance policy literally two and a half, three weeks before you know I was in the ER uh, in uh, January, January, January now uh, in December, and yeah you know, I was able to secure that policy. Once I had that diagnosis, there's no way I would have gotten that life right. insurance. it was just one of those things. Just decided I'd probably get this ensure that you know if something does happen to me, you know family is taken care of.
0: Uh, now, now well, was was God work? Excuse me, was God working at all in your heart and mind, you think, before you ever got the news to prepare you for something like this? I think so. I just didn't realize it, right and I think that that was one of them.
1: you know it's i I could have gotten that CT scan back in you know July at the time there, I didn't have the life insurance. Right. And, you know, one of the things my wife, you know, she was kind of beating herself up because it's, you know, we both agreed not to get that CT scan. And she thought if we would have gotten it then, we would have caught this in enough time. Well, this is something that's been growing in me probably for the better part of five to seven years. So whether I got a scan then or when I got it now, that it, wouldn't have Made a difference. Now you
0: said something very interesting. There is—is is your wife, um, or you, or anybody else in your family? Do they are they beating themselves up over regrets, like oh, we should have, we should have, we should have, and you would have been okay.
1: Uh, initially, my wife was until she, heard, you know, she asked the doctor if we would have gotten the CT scan done in July. Would this have made a difference? The doctor said absolutely not, and then that put her mind at ease. Yeah. That was the only time. And yeah you know, then I told Jenna you know even before that you know th- for it to be spread like this is, my limited knowledge of medical stuff it's a, it's got to be a very aggressive form of cancer to spread that quickly yeah. and it's
0: and there would have been a lot more other symptoms that would have presented itself if it was that aggressive yeah and hindsight really is 2020 20 on a lot of things I mean if somebody got in a car accident they could say well if I knew I was going to get in a car accident I could have gone the other lane you know what I mean mm-hmm. like, obviously that's true but what happens is for some reason we beat ourselves up mm-hmm. all the time there are people that when they get the diagnosis of cancer regardless they they become angry and bitter at God are, are you have you done that?
1: Not once, you know. Both Jen and I, we realized very early on. Once we get past the shock, you know, we never, you know, threw our fists up in the air. God, why did you give this to us? Right. You know, why, why did you do this?
0: Why it do was, you think that is? Why do you think that some people would get angry with God, and why didn't you? It's it, our faith in God. We know that God is the the
1: sole provider for everything. Okay. You know, he can choose to heal me. He can choose to give me cancer. He can choose whatever he wants to do with me because, you know, th- my life is not my own.
0: Now, see, what's interesting there, Nate, is you say that and as an old evangelical grew up in the church and all that kind of stuff, I agree with you, but I'm not going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So you always kind of wonder, you know, what I mean, it's like, it's kind of like I, I've told people if. If I had a million dollars, here's what I would do with it. I would you know, give it away and do that. And then one day when I was praying, I said, God, don't give me a million dollars. The only reason I can be so confident is because I am sure I'm not going to get it. So I can be really, really cocky and, and good in this sense because I can say I would give it all away. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, you'll never see a million dollars. So you can be so generous with what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are Christians that could surround you right now that can be extremely generous with their uh, theology and them talking and trying to say, oh, yeah. And they have not gone through and and have never gone through what you're going through. And it's easy to say trust in God to somebody who is not sick at this moment. Mm -hmm. So you are sick. And you're saying the same thing, trust in God. This didn't happen by accident. That's my point. You, You have spent time in the Bible. You've spent time being taught. You have spent time loving God, loving your wife. I mean, you've spent time doing that. So this isn't a, you know, my, my little saying, see if you agree with this. If you're disappointed with God, you don't know him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Correct. So the, the no. issue is to get to know him. Mm-hmm. If you're angry with God, you don't know him. See, I would say that too. So mm-hmm. the, the key keeps going back to getting to know God. So before you're in a crisis, before, and I promise everyone will be, be in a crisis before you're in a crisis that's the time to get to know god correct correct so now you have you have had coffee with your wife you've talked about possibilities and then the day came when the possibilities turned into reality what was the discussion like at that point what do we do okay and you know it's uh at that point
1: we didn't know okay what's what does a prognosis look like? You know, what, you know, what does everything look like? Uh, the initial appointment with the you know, a surgeon, you know, I asked, what's the prognosis on this? And uh, he said, well, untreated, probably five to six months. Uh, treated, maybe five years. Okay. But those are all statistics. And a lot of those uh, statistics are five, six years old. And anybody that's familiar with the medical field, so much stuff has changed. Regardless of, you know, what the statistics are, you know, it's a good friend of, you know, both Dave and I, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer nine years ago and
0: he was told he had five months to live. He's still alive. Nine and years of, later, yeah. And, and he works full time and he does a great job. He owns his yeah. own business and he's a, he's a man of God and it's fun to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And it's if that's me, awesome, praise God. Yep. If
1: not, awesome, praise God. Because whether I live or die, my journey is going to affect somebody in a positive way. Yeah. You know, the I've had so many people, you know, that follow both Jenna and I on Facebook. Just how transparent we are and what we're feeling. That is just it, we love reading your stuff because you're so
0: it's it's encouraging. Is it wrong for you to to um, feel bad? No. No. That's just honesty. Yep. Yeah. You know, one of the the first things I say to a young man if I'm mentoring him and they're Let's say their dad dies or something. One of the first things I say to him is, boy, that stinks. Mm-hmm. And I had a guy look at me once and go, remind me not to come to you for consolation. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, yeah, I didn't say that I'm happy or anything else. I said, that stinks. Mm-hmm. You see, part of the, the rough part of life is this separation thing that, that takes place. Mm-hmm. My mom, before she died, she had uh, told me often that she was praying that Jesus would return while she's alive because this leaving one person at a time, in her own humor, was killing her. You know, what I mean, it was like, yeah, okay mom, I get it. But she, she had a point. You know, it's like, you know what, this, I, I've told young people um, so often, if you're gonna love somebody, you're gonna be in pain. Mm-hmm. There is no possible way for you to love and not be in pain. And someone in your position right now, Nate, I would encourage you to enjoy the pain of love. I mean, that's what I would encourage you to do. Because there's a pain of isolation that people have who put a wall up between them and others and God. There's a pain of anger that people put up, you know, a wall. What I want to encourage you to do is that the months and years that you have left, and it could be 20 years. But to make sure that you allow yourself to love those around you and love God and let your light shine before men so that they can see God and how he works. And I think you are. And I want to encourage our listeners, you come back and listen to a younger older and we'll get it going uh, again in the next program. Uh, This is Dave for Nate at Relate365.com. Have a question or comment for the younger, older team? Email us at info at relate365.com. Or if you're looking for more information and want to see our resources, check out relate365.com.